Welcome to the Movement Link podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Aitken. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist with over 15 years experience and movement is my cup of tea. Now, we know there is a strong link between how much we move and what we choose to fuel our bodies with when it comes to health and performance. So I hope this podcast will leave you with a few takeaways that allows you to move, perform and feel your best. So put your earbuds in, get moving and I hope you enjoy this episode. guys welcome back to another episode of the movement link podcast now second episode for 2024 and i'm on a roll so i'm going to try and keep this momentum going throughout the year now if you have read the title of this episode you will know that i am going to be talking about all things relating to protein powder Now, one of the reasons I've decided to speak about protein powders in a little bit more detail today is because, uh, quite frankly, I think supplement stores and maybe your influencers on Instagram aren't always the most accurate, uh, or maybe I should say not always the most impartial source of information. So... In this episode, I'm going to try and answer as many of the questions that I commonly get as possible. I'm going to try and answer those main ones in about 15 to 20 minutes because I think after that time, you will probably have had enough of my voice and hopefully have learned everything that you need to know to get you by on protein powders. Now, as I work through this episode, I'm going to start by looking at exactly what a protein powder is um, and then also the main types of protein powders Uh, that are available to you and that you may come across if you start looking or start searching for them. And I'm going to also jump into some common myths and some common misconceptions about protein powders that you may have heard, as well as who needs them, who doesn't need them, or if anybody, you know, if any of us actually really need a protein powder. Now, what I'm not going to go through in this episode is why protein is important in your diet. It is, it is really important. Trust me on that one. Uh, But this is a massive topic. And I have also done several podcast episodes on protein previously, which I would encourage you to go back and listen to uh, after you've listened to this episode, of course. So if you are interested in finding out a little bit more about protein, um, then you can go back and listen to episode number 51, episode number 52, and episode number 59, and they are all on the topic of protein. So I'd probably listen to them in that order as well. And then finally, I will finish off this episode um, by giving you some of my top tips on if you're going to go and buy a protein powder, what to look out for so that you do actually end up with something that is good and something that is worth your money. So let's start by looking at exactly what a protein powder is. Now, a protein powder is generally a food that has been massively stripped down. It has been filtered so that the remaining protein component of the food is pretty much the only thing that is left over. Now, in some protein powders, you will find some, you know, residual other things that have been left over. But otherwise, the primary goal in the production of protein powder is to get as close as possible to pure protein. Now, there are four main types of protein powders. And what I'm not going to talk about here are BCAAs, so branched chain amino acids, or EAAs, essential amino acids, or these other types of protein style supplements. 
Um, so with respect to full protein powders, we've got those four main types, as I said. So we have dairy-based protein powders. We have plant-based ones. We also have collagen-based ones. And then we have a soy-based protein powder. Now, of all of these, I'm going to start by talking about a dairy-based protein powder because dairy is the most common by far. And I think the most common one here under this particular umbrella is what we refer to as a whey protein isolate or a WPI. Now, it is called a WPI simply because it is the isolated whey protein, funnily enough, uh, that you find in milk that makes up a whey protein isolate protein powder. Now, milk has two proteins in it. So it has a whey protein and it's also made up of a casein protein. Um, And in the case of a WPI, what they do is they take the milk and they filter virtually everything else out. So they filter out the casein, uh, they filter out as much of the fat as they possibly can, and they also filter out as much of the lactose or carbohydrate as they possibly can. And what they're left with, they are virtually just left with the protein, so the whey protein isolate. So this generally means as well that even if you are someone who is maybe sensitive to lactose, that a WPI usually isn't going to be a problem. So a WPI, as I said, is ultra-filtered, um, pretty much all of the lactose is removed. And usually that WPI is only going to have less than maybe one gram of lactose per serve. And this is well under what we generally see as that comfortable threshold for anybody who is lactose intolerant. So yeah, most people who are lactose intolerant are still able to tolerate a WPI very well. Now, the next major whey protein that you might see here under the dairy banner is a whey protein concentrate or a WPC. So this is essentially just a WPI, right, with a few less steps. So a WPC is not going to be quite as well filtered, which means that it is going to be ever so slightly higher in fat and also lactose or carbohydrate compared to a WPI. So this is going to make it, you know, usually ever so slightly higher in calories and maybe a tiny bit lower in protein than the ultra filtered WPI. So... Beyond that, though, there aren't really any significant differences, and most people could generally get away with taking one or the other, and it's not going to make a difference on the end result or the outcome. However, if you are lactose intolerant or sensitive to lactose, I would perhaps err on the side of a WPI, generally because that usually has a slightly higher percentage of the lactose filtered out of it. Um, Or if you do want to try a WPC, then perhaps you could get a sample serve of a WPC. Most companies offer um, little sample packs or single serves, so you can kind of try it before you actually go and buy or invest in a, a whole pack. Um, of a WPC. So that is the lowdown on WPCs. Now, casein. Casein is the third most common type of whey protein supplement. Um, And this is the other protein that is found in milk, as I mentioned earlier. Now, casein is what we call a slow-release protein. And this is essentially because it clots in your stomach, which I know is about as disgusting as it sounds. Um, But what this does mean is that it actually takes us a lot longer to digest casein. So it can be really helpful in filling you up for longer. Um, So quite useful in that capacity. Now, casein can also provide a, a slower release of amino acids. So it has gotten a bit of a name for itself as, I guess, a nighttime protein. 
is what we often hear it referred to because it will give you or it's claimed to give you a steady stream of protein or amino acids overnight to help with your recovery. Now, I guess in my opinion, there's probably not strong enough evidence to support that and I don't really think it's going to be a game changer for anyone. So if it's something that you want to experiment with, um, go for it. It's definitely not going to hurt, but I certainly don't think it's going to be the difference between gaining, you know, one kilo of muscle or not. So yeah, casein, as I said, is the other form of dairy protein. Um, now, because it is slower releasing and slower digesting, just one extra tip on casein, I would be mindful about when you have it during the day. So if you are having a protein shake before you train, then a casein protein shake is probably not the best idea. Um, and then trying to train on top of that, well, you know, your body is trying to digest it. So it is likely something that if I was going to take a casein form of protein powder, I would take it much later in the day. Um, and I would take it obviously after I have trained. So that is the lowdown on casein. Now, the next umbrella of protein powders that I'm going to look at are your plant-based or vegan protein powders. So I guess I use the term, you know, umbrella term, quote unquote, here, as there are lots and lots of different sources of plants that are used in the development of plant-based or vegan protein powders. Now, rice or pea protein powder tend to be uh, some of the most common ones that do crop up and very similar to whey. What they do is they've taken the rice or they have taken the peas and they have extracted as much other stuff as they can out of those things to leave the remaining protein. Now, that process is a little bit harder to do with a plant-based protein powder. So what we tend to see with plant-based protein powders is that they are usually just a little bit higher in carbohydrate, um, sometimes a little bit higher in fat than a whey protein. Um, but this is minimal, guys, and it's definitely you know nothing to write home about in the scheme of things or in the scheme of a balanced diet. So yeah, we can also see what we tend to see with our, the vegan protein powders is there are lots of different, I guess, sometimes fancy blends out there. So a fava bean protein powder seems to be coming up a lot more recently. There are plant-based protein powders that are built on pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, um, all of those extra little things. And I think the rationale here is that sometimes what we know with plants is that they can have uh, an incomplete spectrum of amino acids. So uh, what I mean by that, so amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So protein is basically one big molecule and that molecule of protein is made up of lots of different amino acids. Now, different types of proteins and different protein sources have different levels of amino acids in them. And so plant-based protein can just sometimes be a little bit lower uh, in a certain one of these amino acids, whereas a whey-based protein tends to provide more of, I guess, what I call a broad spectrum of those amino acids. So it's more a complete protein source. Now, whether this is important, I guess, is, you know, it's probably questionable, but I'm going to err on the side of saying it's not super important whether you choose a plant-based protein powder or a whey-based protein powder, as long, as long as your daily protein intake is fine 
And also as long as you are getting protein from a variety of different sources during the day. And if you are doing those things, then, and you choose to take a plant-based protein powder, then you're likely going to be covering those potential gaps quite comfortably. Um, So if you want to choose a plant-based protein powder in those situations, I would say go for it. Um, And the fact that, you know, they may not have a complete series of amino acids within them is not necessarily something I would be stressing about. Now, if you're listening to this episode, then you, I know there are a few people that have actually asked about leucine. Uh, So leucine is an amino acid. I am going to talk about leucine in a little bit more detail in just a sec. Um, But leucine aside, I think getting a a blended protein powder would probably be my recommendation as being a good way to mitigate the fact that some plant-based proteins are a little bit lower in those amino acids. Um, So rather than simply purchase a pea protein powder or a rice protein powder, getting something that is maybe a blend of both or a blend of a few things can be really helpful as they will tend to cover each other's gaps. So there it is on plant-based or vegan protein powders. Now, the third type of protein powder that I'm going to discuss is a soy-based protein powder. And I wasn't going to cover this one off. Um, It doesn't always seem to be popular. And for some reason, people seem to be, I don't know, either scared of soy or steer well clear of soy. And it's not really necessary as as some soy in a balanced diet is going to be just fine. Um, But as per the process around other protein powders, to make a soy protein isolate, you simply take the soy, you remove as much of the other stuff as you can, and you get left with that soy protein isolate, uh, plus maybe a few other small bits and pieces. But basically, soy protein, when we look at it, is a great option as well because it does have the full spectrum of amino acids um, rather than it being high in some and not in others. So it is what we call a complete so, uh, a complete protein source. Um, so it can be a really good option here as well. Now, finally, let's look at the fourth type of protein powders, and they are collagen protein powders. Now, I think when it comes to, you know, hair, skin, and nails, or recovery from injuries such as tendon or ligament injuries, uh, a collagen protein powder can have some potential, Um, but that's kind of an aside, I guess, to what I'm talking about in today's podcast. So in terms of utilizing a collagen-based protein powder as a protein supplement, though, it's probably not something I would recommend. So I would be using a collagen protein powder as an additional supplement on top of a proper protein powder. Um, As trying to hit your protein needs each day using collagen is likely not going to be as effective as it could be because again, collagen is not a broad spectrum um, or it doesn't contain a broad spectrum of amino acids. So it is not high in everything that we need and it is not a complete protein source. So I do think you are going to be better off using a dedicated protein powder, whether that is a whey protein isolate, a whey protein concentrate, or maybe a blended form of a plant-based protein powder as your primary source of protein and then adding collagen on the side if you wish or um, if you feel it is necessary. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more insight into those four types of or four main types of protein powders. Now, very quickly, let's actually come back to the amino acid leucine, which I said I would talk about in a bit more detail. 
So of all of the amino acids, uh, leucine, as I said, which is also an amino acid, is, is quite important for muscle growth. So making sure that you get at least around two grams of leucine per serve of protein to maximally stimulate muscle growth and or recovery is quite important. Now, when it comes to leucine, don't think that leucine is about getting jacked um, and building a whole heap of muscle. It's not. It is just about supporting your muscle tissue as optimally as possible. So leucine is good against um, or helping to protect against muscle loss. It can be helpful in recovering from exercise and then also potentially growing new muscle tissue. So very helpful in all of those scenarios. Now, when it comes to an animal-based protein, so such as dairy, uh, such as meats, and such as dairy when we look at a whey-based protein, these are generally always going to be high in leucine, okay? And that is what makes a whey protein powder so popular or or one of the reasons why whey is so popular. It's a very good source of leucine. So often what you will find is that vegan or plant-based sources of protein can actually be quite low in leucine. Now, sometimes what you might see here is that they have actually incorporated or added in additional sources of leucine to help get over that two grams of leucine per serve amount. Um, So that is one thing just to be mindful of if you are purchasing a plant-based or vegan protein powder. And what you will often see on those packages is there's a little table on the side or on the back of the package of protein powder that is generally going to give you that information. So it's going to give you a breakdown of all of those amino acids um, and how much of each amino acid is in a serve of that type of protein powder. So just something to keep in mind there if you are buying a plant-based protein powder and also something to look at right on the packaging if you are buying a a normal whey protein powder, um, depending on the brand. Now, if you really want to get into, I guess, the nitty-gritty, you can actually buy leucine as a separate amino acid, uh, weigh that out and add that into your protein. Um, But otherwise, I think if you're generally, as I said before, getting enough protein in across the day and you're getting your protein from a variety of protein sources, then it's probably not something that you have to worry too much about. Now, oh, finally, because somebody asked this question as well, I would like to touch on the topic of these gender-specific protein powders, and we've probably all seen them. Uh, Supplement companies love to promote them. And I just think, you know, like, don't, don't even bother guys. Like protein is protein. Um, Protein is, I don't know, I'm going to refer to it as gender neutral. You do not need to buy a women's only protein. Um, Or if you're a guy, because I won't discriminate, you do not need to buy a men's only protein. Um, It is quite ridiculous what the supplement companies have come up with and how they are marketing this rubbish is probably the nicest way that I can describe it Um, because it is quite frustrating that they are using this as a tool to market their products. So in short, do not waste your money. I think sometimes, you know, it's actually referred to as what we call like the pink tax. So female protein powders, if you have ever gone looking for one, are usually about, you know, 10 to 15% extra in terms of their cost because they are, you know, supposedly better for women, quote unquote. And that's just not the case. 
So don't waste your money, guys, on a gender-specific protein powder. Now, you may also, while I'm on the topic of myths and misconceptions, you may also see things like a lean protein powder or a low-carb protein powder or a you know fat-burning protein powder. So what these usually contain, it's usually a whey protein plus maybe a bunch of caffeine, maybe some capsaicin, um, and perhaps a few other, you know, quote, fat-burning supplements that don't actually burn fat. So I would just stay away from those. They do nothing special. Those types of protein powders often cost more and, you know, they can also potentially come with a slightly higher risk of contaminants. So, yeah, not worth it in my opinion. And then the other type of protein, um, I guess, type that you may see out there is a mass gaining supplement or a mass gainer. So this is usually a protein powder that also includes some extra carbohydrate, um, usually some extra fat, and then maybe some additional vitamins and minerals. Now, mass gainers are fine. Some people use them as a meal replacement. So you can shake it up. And because it's got a bit of you know extra carbohydrate and fat in there, in addition to protein, it can be quite handy in certain situations to get one of those down if your next meal is a decent amount of time away. Um, But I think, you know, that aside, you could also just use some normal protein powder, add in some oats, throw in a banana and some berries, put in a squeeze of honey and a tablespoon of peanut butter, and you have your own homemade mass gainer, which is also going to be far cheaper. It probably tastes a hell of a lot better. Um, And it's going to give you a lot more vitamins and minerals. And because, well, guys, food first when we can, right? So that would be my suggestion there if you, you know, are looking for a mass gainer for any particular reason. And uh, I did just remember that I said I would talk about who should or should not use a protein powder. So let's touch on that and then a few tips that I would give if you are going to go shopping for a protein powder. So who should or should not use a protein powder? Now, basically, I think it is really important to note here that protein powders do not work more effectively than food-based sources of protein. They are literally just another option. Now, often they can be more convenient, but not always. So if you are someone who is already hitting a decent serve of protein at each and every main meal, if you are someone who is also getting in an adequate amount of protein every day through food, then adding a protein powder in on top of all of that is going to do nothing, right? It's not worth your money. Now, if you are someone who is struggling to get your protein in during the day and hit your protein targets with food, then you may find that adding in a protein powder as a smoothie or putting some protein powder into a shake or maybe mixed through some oats or mixed through some yogurt or something like that can be really helpful in helping you to bump up your daily protein intake because it is going to make getting enough protein a little bit easier. So if that is why you're using a protein powder, then that is great. Um, But yes, if you are using a protein powder because you think it is superior to or more effective than food-based sources of protein, then you may as well just save your money, guys, and just spend your money on food. So hopefully that helps you out if you are trying to determine whether or not you need or should be using a protein powder. 
Um, And then last thing, when it comes to shopping, there are probably a couple of things that I would look for uh, in a good protein powder. Now, the first thing here is you are generally going to want that protein powder to contain at least 20 grams of protein in a 30 gram serve. So this just means that it is high in protein, which as a protein powder is obviously going to be important. Now, the other thing I would look for is that you also want a relatively short ingredients lists. So you want the protein itself obviously to be in there. Um, You probably want something to flavor it. And then maybe you might want something in that ingredients list to help mix it. Um, And I guess in the case of maybe a vegan protein powder or a vegan protein blend, the ingredient list may be a little bit longer um, as it might contain multiple sources of protein as we spoke about. But if I'm getting over like maybe six to eight things in my list of ingredients for a protein powder, then I would probably start to question what those other things are as I'd probably just rather be eating the other things in my diet um, and using a protein powder to get protein. So I guess there are some starting recommendations. Um, and people have also asked me if I recommend any particular brands of protein powder. So I'm going to list off a few. Now, these are in no way sponsored at all, but they are some that I have used and I know are reputable uh, for many reasons. So if you're looking for protein powders, you might like to check out brands such as Bulk Nutrients, uh, True, po- True Protein, um, and VPA. So they are all Australian brands. Oh, and Coles Perform also do a range of protein powders. And I believe that some of those brands that I have just listed also offer uh, what we call Hasta certified protein. So Hasta is or stands for Human and Supplement Testing Australia. And it basically just means that they test certain batches of protein powder to ensure that you're not getting any, anything in there that you shouldn't have in your protein. So yeah, I think that is a wrap. That's about 25 minutes. I'm sure that's more than enough to keep you going on protein powders for the next little while. So I hope you found that useful, guys. If you have any questions at all, you are very welcome to get in touch. You can DM me on Instagram at gemily underscore xfiz. And you can also drop me an email if you need to. And my email is themovementlink at gmail.com. But guys, until next week, as always, put your earbuds in, keep moving, and I'll be back with another episode soon. 